You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. After this reading, we're going to actually have a panel discussion and, uh, at which we uh, traditionally piss and moan about the state of science fiction and literature in general, and we want everybody to join in that. I'd like to ask people if they have a flash camera or anything like that to please set it off so we can figure out what the hell is going on up here. <laughs> and um, our next guest uh, happens to be also a close friend and a longtime colleague of mine. Not not too long. He's been a colleague of himself longer than <laughs> me. He's been involved in science fiction in a very distinguished way for quite a while, all the way back to the Terry Carr days. And um, he's the author of Palimpsests, of uh, a book which uh, called Kafka Americana, which he did with... Uh, Jonathan Lethem, back when Jonathan was unsuccessfully trying to break into science fiction, <laughs> and um, a distinguished short story collection called The Amount to Carry, and a novel called Radiance, which I think Carter's going to read from tonight. And uh, Carter's also a composer with, is it called Frog Peak? Frog Peak Music. Frog Peak Music, and he plays in a band. He does a lot more... Uh, a lot of music these days, which is um, quite distinguished and well thought of. And uh, the thing I like, one of the, it, that was, one thing Carter said about his own work in the, uh, is that what he, he was, in the introduction to The Amount to Carry, Carter himself said, what I like about these stories is their, their refusal to get with the program. And that in a nutshell, is what I like about Carter's work in general and what a lot of people like about it. Carter is a very well-respected writer, and I think what people do like about him is that he is a writer who goes his own way. And so without further ado from me, let's uh, get with this program, and I'd like to introduce Carter Schultz. Thank you, Terry. Um, and I only have one question. Where the hell did you read that introduction? That was never published. <laughs> really? It's not in the book? No. I got it online. <laughs> I got to find out where it is online. Ah. It's online and it's... Ah. And it says... All right. It says, it says copyright Carter Schultz. It's on Ray Davis's excellent, fine website. It's oh, pseudopodium.org, which everyone should visit. Oh, I visit. I didn't know that was Ray. Yeah. And I am going to read from Radiance. I puzzled for a while what I should read. Terry really wanted me to read a story from the collection from so long ago that I um, would rather not think about it. But <laughs> um, and my decision was made for me when the uh, Navy shot down that satellite this week um, because that is uh, basically the theme of my novel, Radiance. It was... Uh, written in the 90s, and it was about a moment in the 90s when Reagan's uh, SDI program was faltering but was not dead. And as we saw this week, it still isn't dead. 25 years later, it's going strong. Um, so let me set up this, this uh, novel for you a little bit. It's set around 1993. Um, 
at a nuclear weapons laboratory uh, very similar to the one in Livermore, California. It's where most of the action takes place. Um, I'm going to read from the second section of the book titled Dual Use, which was a buzzword of those days. It was an attempt to give civilian applications to some of the military technologies that were being developed. And in this section, the director of the laboratory is going to meet with the Silicon Valley CEO to discuss some dual-use um, matters. Past the toll plaza, the bridge stretched into morning fog and low clouds that obscured bay and sky alike until the center span climbed out of this gray limbo into a brilliant haze through which sun smote the driver's window and curdled the horizons to brown smutch while a jet poised like a raptor overhead and thundered in falling glissandi as Hyatt pressed AC Max and turned up the radio to first day of spring in the Bay Area, record highs expect, punching over to the orotund tones of Great American Broadcasting Network, your host, Tuck Eubanks, ladies and gentlemen, the conservative voice of truth, prosperity, and fun, back in a moment, <laughs> and hurtled down the span's far side through Redwood City, where the only trees to be seen were blue gum, eucalyptus, and sycamore. Past your company name here, 415-282-0110, and Sinatra, fourth show added, March 31st. Tapping the brake as taillights reddened in all lanes ahead, swerving between 386SX and FUBAR, punching the radio to clones, lowest prices guaranteed at computer attic Sunnyvale downshifting to third, then second as Versant, Data General, Hexcel, Informix, and Failure Analysis Associates went by. To break sharply under a small black billboard in white Futura italic, save us from what we want. As the radio continued, Caltrans hazmat team on the scene, 101 southbound at Moffat, three lanes closed, and stabbing the selector again as if a more congenial reality awaited on another channel, my friends, I am expounding and commenting on a cultural decay happening in this culture. His hand traveling on to pick up the cellular phone. Dan, it's Leo. I'm stuck in traffic. One on one's a parking lot. I'll meet you at the restaurant as soon as I can. Pulling as he hung up onto the shoulder, accelerating past the stopped cars, punching brakes and horn together, and sliding his window down to shout, asshole, at another driver also edging into the shoulder and to swerve up the off-ramp where again he jammed brakes to join two lanes merging under a stand of blooming acacias as the radio warned, Friends, it's alarming, but people do judge you by the words you use. Symantec dynamic language cassettes give you the essential power words you need to dominate any. An itch rising in his gorge to trigger a violent sneeze contorting his face and leaving it a mask of suspicion until he spied the high cascades of yellow blooms tossed in the caress of a warm breeze. Ah, shit! and jammed the window button to slide the glass unhurriedly shut. Other hand reaching for the glove box, eyes streaming as he grabbed his inhaler and again punched AC Max, removing sunglasses to dab at his tearing left eye, glimpsing in the mirror angry red skin under a pale brow as horns blared behind him and the radio asked, have you ever wondered if hair transplants are for you? <laughs> and eased the clutch to inch forward from the off-ramp onto a six-lane divided thoroughfare where he chose his opportunities to advance through gaps and openings among cars streaming in a semblance of purpose past two miles of low featureless office parks and condominiums shrouded by olive and eucalyptus until soon yet dim sum 
loomed. And cutting across two lanes, he glimpsed in the mirror his left eye swollen, his nose reddened and enlarged. Great, just great. Near the restaurant door, disabled parking only, Hyatt parked. The car alarm yelping as he pressed keychain to arm it and paused in the foyer to ask of an impassive Chinese, Dan Root? And followed the pointing hand to a bellow of laughter rising over the clatter and din of plates, flatware, talk, and the plume of smoke curled there above the massive figure in white Stetson and black shirt. And he edged down a narrow corridor past a potted ficus and entered the men's room, where a mirror set upon mauve and avocado tile showed him a face divided, right half normal, left half angry with welts, and distended into a despairing expression of forsakenness and misery. The eye a furtive and evil bead in swollen flesh, the lip lifted to expose teeth, as though presenting a threat while the rest of his face apologized for it. He cranked a chrome lever to reel yards of paper toweling into a basin under a faucet that every few seconds pinched off its flow until he banged the spring-loaded tap to restart it. The last of the toweling tailed into the sink and he lifted the soaked paper to his face and held it there, covering the welts, regarding stolidly the unafflicted yet still unlovely right side until he recoiled, damn, from moisture seeping at his shoulder, collar, and hair and flung the wet toweling onto the floor turning in vain for another towel dispenser, shaking his wet hands in the air in a desperate mudra of fury, running them through his thinning and awry black hair before re-entering the dining room where the massive figure at table six craned his broad neck around and exhaled smoke in greeting. Why, Leo, you look like something the cat's all done with. And a good morning to you too, Dan. You're in form. Oh, I am. Dim sum, a double corona, and technology transfer. It's all a man really needs to be happy, Leo. You know Orrin Gate? Orr's chairman of Gate Cellular. He was out to the ranch after your last shot. I think you met there. Yes, good to uh, pardon my no towels and the men's cut off by an obstreperous fit of coughing at the table behind him. Uh, enjoying the cell phone you sent. Very clear, very clear signal. Never a problem, even in the car. I'm glad we are very good at what we do. Pull up a pew, boy, here on my right, said Root handing him as he sat a napkin to dry his face. These allergies will kill me. He'll have two of those and two of those, Root said, taking from a passing cart four small plates. What's this? Duck feet, and these are jellied. Excuse me, came a sharp voice as Hyatt turned his bad eye wincing into Root's cigar smoke. This is the non-smoking section? Root shifted his bulk and thrust his shoulders back in thunderstruck disbelief. What did you say, Sonny? Your smoke is ruining other people's enjoyment of their meals? Root's pale blue eyes narrowed in the fat, ruddy face framed by lank gray hair and beard. The tooled ivory clasp on his red string tie rose gently and gently fell on the placket of his black shirt, and a slight smile widened his mouth. I'm Dan Root, and you are? Extending a hand which the other man took reflexively. It doesn't matter. Annoyance turning to concern as he flinched in Root's grip. Ruin, is it? I guess you don't know what ruination is. Root touched the coal of his cigar against the base of the thumb gripped in his hand. Jesus! As for a fraction of a second, the hand writhed in Root's grip beneath the coal, then was snatched back and cradled like a wounded pet. You best put some ice on that. You're crazy! The man back to his table, staring at Root, face lit as with the fire of revelation. 
Root turned back to the table and set the cigar in the ashtray. I surely love to take the righteous down a peg. It's almost worth a spoiled ash. Someday one of your victims will call a cop, Hyatt said. Oh, that man won't call a cop. Why, until now, he thought he was Wyatt Earp. (laughs) At his table, the man upended a water glass and wrapped ice in a napkin. His companions bent forward in earnest discussion while the man stubbornly shook his head. Try the parchment-wrapped chicken ore. No, no, unwrap it first. Now, Leo, what's all this crap I'm hearing about the super bright problems? Hyatt looked distastefully from root to gate and back. Dan, I know what an omniscient view you have from your ranch in the mountains, but some of us down here in the trenches, I just want to know if we got trouble. This is a classified program, Dan. I'm not going to start talking technical details to the unsanctified. Unsanctified? asked Gate. Security or he's worried about security. That's right, Dan. We're not all freelancers like you. Simmer down, son. Gate cleared his throat. Perhaps I can start. I'll express our interest in general terms so that any classification breaches won't jeopardize you. The super bright component of the Radiance Project is not coming online as quickly as hoped. Consequently, a second program may be front-burnered. This second program has aspects of interest to us outside its anti-missile envelope. Go on. Gates Cellular is eager to enter the global market. The play in this market requires vast amounts of cable, that or satellites few hundred cheap, small, movable satellites in low orbit. And where did you hear about this? Root unfolded a paper. Article in Aviation Leak, and I quote, the orbiting interceptors kill incoming enemy missiles by impact. Simple and small enough to be deployed by the thousands, they are little more than a camcorder, a guidance computer, and hydrazine thrusters. You put a high-speed switching network on board these, what do you got? And as I understand it, Dr. Hyatt, the lab wishes to move into more commercial applications. Wish has nothing to do with it. It's a Department of Energy mandate. In any case, they're encouraging cooperative research and development agreements with industry, correct? Yes, dual use. But this is not a candidate for a crata. It has classified components. Crata? Who wants a crata? I'd sooner have cancer. You're getting prissy in your old age, Leo. You didn't talk this way back in the day. Didn't have a senator on appropriations out to hang me then. Shit, Leo, you remember when you and Reddy and me came up with these orbiters? Dan, remember that weekend at the ranch? Hell, I got patents that overlap all this stuff. You saying I don't have a right? Dan, will you shut up before you... Uh, Dr. Hyde, excuse me, the men's room is, is where? Past that ficus? Thank you. Pardon me. Root watched Gate depart, then turned on Hyatt. What the hell's wrong with you? Why the hissy fit? Don't blow this for me. You got all those patents, Dan. You don't need me. We need Sand Hill Road, that's Orr, and we need the Beltway, that's you. I'm not exactly Beltway Bob these days. Did those test results get leaked? That shot with the sensor problems? Jesus, Dan, let's a little louder. Let's call CNN, why don't we? You haven't seen it in the papers, have you? That's it, isn't it? That's why you're sweating. What do you want with us, Dan? You know how to do commsats. Well, we want those thrusters of yours, boy. Mine couldn't keep a bird aloft in low orbit for a year. You claim in 10 years? Is that for real? With those dinky little fuel tanks? That's classified. Oh, fuck you too. What's your lead time? First test in August. Next round of crat is in November. These birds really gonna work? Jesus Christ, you sound like Senator Sam Fitzfuck Chase. Are they gonna work their tests, Dan? That's why we do them, because we don't fucking know. If we knew, it'd save us all a lot of time, wouldn't it now? Boy, you're on edge. You need a vacation. 
Why don't you come up the ranch, take us a couple of horses up to Steelhead Lake, catch some trout. Not much snow this year, gonna be an early summer. What do you say? I'm fine. And why is Chase worrying you? Our bud Howie Bangerter chairs that committee. Howie and his Mormon butt boys. Hey, don't, don't say that to Orr, he's LDS. <laughs> You're kidding. Oh, I mean it, he's a deacon or something. Hyatt turned to see the black-suited figure returning past the ficus in the hall. Does Gate know what he's doing? Oh, five years from now, he should own this market. He's a man shows his gratitude. We're talking billions, boy. Yeah, if the crick don't rise. There you go, that's my Leo. Now play it for me, will you? Gentlemen, Gate reseated himself. You know, you're not the only interested party, Dan. I heard from Stone last week. Stone, you're not serious. Any man who'll play for nickels can't be trusted. Mr. Gate, question for you. A system this size seems like a risky commitment for an unproved market in a small company. Well, that's why we're looking for allies. But the market's there, if not for cellular, for something else. We think of the satellites as delivery systems. We're still looking for content providers. Well, let me ask you this. I understand that a cooperative research and development agreement grants an exemption from the Freedom of Information Act. Yes, our working model gives a five-year FOIA exemption. Good. But getting DOE to sign off on this is not going to be easy. Well, surely the Department of Energy can be made to see the benefits. The CRATA program is, from what I have heard, um, unsuccessful so far. This venture could be a showpiece for them, wouldn't you say? And perhaps for you. I can't speak for DOE. They have trouble seeing the sun on a clear day. But I'll do what I can. We'll draft a letter of agreement, see where we go from there. Excellent. I'll fax you our latest business plan. Root raised his hand in a scribbling gesture, and across the room, the manager left the man clutching his wrapped hand and darted over to slide the check <laughs> under Root's hand, freeing from a gold clip $300 bills. Root winked at the manager. Something for the help. The three men rose and walked leisurely to the door. In the vestibule, they threaded through a crowd coming and going, past the phone booth where a wrapped hand rose gesticulating above the partition and snatches of talk emerged from the background din like complexities at the surface of a chaotic system. Gotta get back, I'm about to slit a cat stem to sternum and soon as I quit I get two offers not even looking and Christ it's hot for March and two small boys darting either side of them one shouting, I win, I'm king of the world. As the three men emerged into sunlight and Root pushed up the brim of his Stetson and dropped the stub of his cigar to the pavement where he ground it to smoldering pulp beneath his boot sole. Got you a love note there, Leo. Hyatt followed Root's deliberative gaze from the curve of a horsetail cloud slipping across the sky's pale dome between a pair of eucalyptus flanking a squat white savings and loan, 1130-82F-28C and finally down to the black vinyl bib stretched across the snout of the red hood into which was tucked a parking ticket. Well, gents, as the great Carl Friedrich Gauss said, go you forward and faith will come to you. Thank you for your time, Dr. Hyatt. Mr. Gate, we'll be in touch. Dan, always a pleasure. The car yelped as Hyatt disarmed it, Gate flinching from the sound as Root cast an arm around him saying, Leo will eat anything that don't eat him. I think I'll stop there. <laughs> Thank you, Carter. Radi yeah, Radiance is uh, 
a very timely novel, although it's a little dated with the smoking section there. It is. Well, that was 1993 <laughs> for you. Uh, also, I should have warned you that it's not really science fiction except for the science parts and the fiction parts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again to Carter Schultz and Paolo Bacigalupi. And You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.